0: Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Extra Serving, an award-winning podcast by Nation's Restaurant News. I am your host, Holly Petri. Today, we're gonna be talking about robots. Um, Turns out they're not gonna take over restaurants anytime soon, according to a few uh, studies that we've seen and according to a few stories that we've uh, seen happen recently. Chipotle is also opening a new concept. That should be interesting to talk about. Um, I've already gotten a little sneak peek from Sam about what he's going to say, so we will definitely hear some colorful commentary. Um, And McDonald's continues its famous orders program. Um, That's been really popular for the brand. It was part of their marketing war chest. Uh, So we're going to talk about what that means for McDonald's and for the rest of the industry. But before we get into that, let me turn it over to my two lovely co-hosts.
1: I am Sam Okus, editor-in-chief of Nations Restaurant News.
2: And I'm Leanne Sinmeister, Managing Editor of Nations Restaurant News.
0: And now I'm going to throw it over to Belgioioso for this week's advertiser. Belgioioso Cheese is a family owned and operated company specializing in artisan Italian cheesemaking. Using only natural ingredients and fresh local Wisconsin milk, master cheesemakers handcraft a full line of exceptional cheeses guided by a commitment to quality and a respect for tradition. Ask your distributor about Bel award-winning fresh mozzarella, burrata, ricotta, mascarpone, American grana, and parmesan. At Bel every cheese is a specialty. All right, guys. So here we are once again, all together.
1: Well, as together as we can once be when we're like not geographically then. near each other.
0: As together as we want to be.
1: This is about as close to you guys as I would like to be, you know, a few states apart. Geographically like 800 honest, miles, yeah. Room. Yep, yep. Fair that's, that's the comfort zone.
0: That's fair. I mean, I get that. I very much get that. I wouldn't want to be that close to me either, to be perfectly honest.
1: Everything's just a lot louder when I'm near Holly.
0: You're the loudest one on this podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Things are louder when
2: you're near Holly than when you're near your two small children.
1: Uh, well, no, that's exactly the point is like, if I'm going to go to somewhere else, I don't want to go to another loud place because I'm already in a loud place when I'm with my two small children.
0: I see. I'm just as loud as you. You are just sad that you're looking in a mirror.
1: I think our whole office probably prefers that we not be together in the office.
0: I think Leanne is in charge of that committee of us not being together in the office. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Making sure it doesn't happen. Uh, well, you guys are going to be together very soon. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about what you guys are going to be together for, Sam?
1: I am happy to do that, Holly. We are going to Los Angeles in a few weeks, um, March 20th to be exact. Um, Leanne and I will be there as well. Our colleagues, uh, Christy Ravnaberg, who is who lives in Los Angeles, she'll be joining us there. Um, and our publisher, Joe Donnelly. We are traveling out there to host our I would it's not our first uh, create road show but it's sort of the de facto 2023 kickoff in a way um, we are launching a series of networking events around the country uh, in 2023 we we workshop this in DC last year you might remember we talked a little bit about that uh, late last year we were in DC hosting one of these now it's official we're going big on these we're doing six uh, six throughout 2023, um, Los Angeles on March 20th. Uh, the meaning of these events, you know, we call it a networking reception, uh, but it really is so much more. It's it's an opportunity for local restaurant operators in each of the cities we visit to take a moment to come together, meet each other, um, engage with each other. You know. It, it, the the focus is really to bring in emerging restaurateurs because especially entrepreneurs, leaders of small brands, you know, you're so busy. Uh, operating your restaurants and making decisions and doing this, that, and the other thing, you, you just don't have a chance to meet the people who operate the restaurants next to yours. And so we want to give them an opportunity. There's also an educational panel that will be happening. Uh, I'm excited to say our uh, three panelists are Mario Del Perro, the um, former founder of Mendocino Farms, um, Brianna Valdez, the founder of Home State in Los Angeles, and um, Stephanie Soler's, the CEO of Virtual Dining Concepts. They're going to be joining us on a panel talking about uh, food service innovation. We are going to have a couple of hours of networking, drinks, food. All of this is totally free. So if you're in Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area, um, come join us March 20th, 6 to 9 p.m., all-season brewing in Miracle Mile, um, this kind of Hollywood area. Uh, It's going to be an awesome time. And um, then uh, stay tuned for more information about future cities where we'll be coming because we are going to Austin on April 11th. That will be the next one after Los Angeles.
0: And where can people uh, find more information or reach out to RSVP?
1: Uh, Go to create.nrn.com. You will see more information about our Roadshow series um, and find a form to submit your information. We're going to have some more formal uh, uh, literature about it out there in the next week or so. So if um, you're listening to this and you subscribe to the newsletter, you, I'm sure, will be seeing more of this via AM um, and via our website and lots more communication to come. But if you are just dying to RSVP right at this moment, create.nrn.com, you can go do that.
0: Can they email you personally?
1: No.
2: (laughs) Good answer.
1: (laughs) Yes, of course. If you really want to email me, this is always standing invite sam.ocus at informa.com. I'm always happy to talk. Feel free to email me. I'll send you more information.
0: I just put you on the spot there.
2: (laughs) <laughs> this is the first that I've heard the details about the panel. Um, so, oh yeah, exciting! Uh,
1: hot tip: that's breaking news. Yeah, um, yeah it is very apparently.
2: Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's great. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I think our listeners probably know how much I love to get out of New York in the winter time. Uh, so, gonna head west, go to LA, that's come spring. hang out with us. That's springtime.
1: Um, one day before. One day before spring.
2: Yeah, just about. I'm I'm actually flying out a few days early, so it'll still be winter when I leave and it'll be spring mm-hmm. when I come back to New York and I expect it to be a good like forty degrees warmer upon landing.
0: Yeah,
1: I haven't been to Los Angeles since pre pandemic. I'm I'm looking forward to getting Me back there. I love Los Angeles. Yeah.
2: I've never
0: been to Los Angeles and I'm not invited to this roadshow. So turns out I'll never go to Los Angeles.
1: Nope. That's right. That's no probably but there's the your truth.
2: soundbite for social media. <laughs> Holly is just railing about Los Angeles. You're
1: going to be in Los Angeles later this year because we are going to host Create in Palm Springs. Which is so no way, Not Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. Oh, it's two hours from Los Angeles. I'm just saying, Holly, you have ample opportunity to visit Los Angeles later this year at the time we go to Create, if you so choose.
0: Well, I don't drive. So I'd have to take Ubers everywhere. And I hear that Ubers are very expensive in LA. So... I'm a little hesitant to go on my own without somebody to drive me around, without a chauffeur.
1: I'm probably gonna drive, so if if we here's what we'll do. We'll get an editorial team minivan for create. <laughs> Let's all fly into LAX and get a minivan and we'll drive to Palm Springs. It'll be a whole thing. It'll be lots of fun. I love driving. I, I am weird like that. I'm
0: horrified. I hate driving.
2: Everything you just said sounds terrible. LAX. <laughs> minivan full of our coworkers. <laughs> i mean the minivan, and actually, and
0: the minivan actually no. sounds kind fun i feel like we'd get some cool snacks um i feel like there'd be some car songs we'd listen
2: to bananarchy
1: yes. yeah now we're talking all right all
2: right i'm gonna fly into palm springs and i'll see you there
1: <laughs> lame
0: well i'm flying from aspen so i'll probably fly right into palm springs because aspen to palm springs i'm sure is a
1: very mm. uh, I'm Fancy. From Aspen to Palm Springs. Aspen. That's going to be like
2: a $2,000 flight. Only rich people fly that route. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. You're going to have to bum off somebody's private jet.
0: You know what? If somebody offers me their private jet, I will get in it. Let me tell you that. There is no doubt about that. If somebody goes, here's a private jet, Holly, I will get my butt right in that jet.
2: Hey, listeners, if you've been wanting to kidnap Holly, <laughs>
1: <laughs> now you know how to do it care to join me on my private
0: If there's champagne, oh, I'm so there. Anyway. Anyway, let's talk about news. Let's do it. So uh, there was a few stories recently about robots and AI messing up, let's say. Um, Being human, can we call it? Um,
2: Literally no. (laughs) Literally robots. The opposite.
0: Uh, So these are robots and AI not performing to the top of their capabilities. Um, We saw it at McDonald's recently. We had Jimmy Wang, uh, the head chef at Panda Express, on our podcast on a bonus episode. Go and listen to that. He talked about the fact that while they're using robots, it's not going to be something that they heavily invest in. They're looking for things that speed up service, that really reduce labor hours, but that Aren't going to take away this human experience, even at a place like Panda Express, where they're using this automated walk. Um, and so, what do you guys think about this this conundrum that you know we have robots and AI? They're doing great things, but they also mess up, and they may not be this perfect solution.
1: Yeah, the the two examples, uh, the high profile examples of them messing up uh, recently are a TikTok of a robot that was serving drinks uh, at a restaurant um, somewhere totally dropping all the drinks and them just falling to the floor and shattering and making a mess and then um recently there has been a lot of buzz about mcdonald's ai drive-through totally screwing up and and not working properly Um, So very high profile instances where this dream of how artificial intelligence and robots could help the restaurant industry, we're, we're seeing, we're not there yet. I mean, that's ultimately the answer is this technology is not perfect. Now, of course, these are also just a couple examples of them not working. You know, you don't see the many examples of them working, right? You know, um, you don't worry about an airplane, you don't worry about airplane safety until you hear about a a, a plane crash. But the fact is, is 99.9% of airplanes fly safely, right? So it's sort of the same thing here. Um, So I'm not, I don't necessarily think that this means, oh, AI and robots won't be our future because clearly they can't cut it. But I do think that there is, a lot of refinement that needs to happen here. Um, And I'd also point out too, like that robot carrying drinks, that was a very novel use of a robot that I don't think, I think most restaurant operators would agree. The future of robotics in restaurants is not robot servers. The future of robotics in restaurants is, robotic kitchen equipment automatic automated um, kitchen equipment that really helps you save money and time and um, create efficiencies so um, now the drive-through AI you know at McDonald's I do think that is very much the future um, and and we have to figure that out one final point I'll put on this is this also comes in a week where uh, you know we're talking, a day after a, a New York Times columnist um, had a conversation with Bing's AI. And um, I highly recommend you go check this out because it the, the columnist said he was genuinely afraid after having a conversation with this AI because it was, you know, the AI like went off the rails and started talking about like creating a pandemic. It was weird. It was very strange. But what the article ultimately highlighted is that AI right now is messy, it is sloppy, it's cool and fun and again, novel, but it is far, far from perfect. And so the theme of 2023 is going to be how do we figure AI out the the early days of AI that we're in right now, how do we really figure out how to leverage it for the restaurant in ways that we can ease ourselves in? So it's not running the whole restaurant operation, but it can take some of the pressure off and then we can slowly invest mm-hmm. more into AI and, and, and develop it more opportunities for it to to be a part of the restaurant.
2: Yeah, the narrative around technology is definitely changing. I mean, it makes sense. You know, it's been three years of restaurant operators having to throw everything they've got behind any kind of technology that will help them hang on to consumers, there's been a labor crisis, Um, and now operators are starting to think about what's next. And so we're gonna, I think, see, like Sam said, we're gonna see some things mess up just because, like, statistically, if everybody is trying something, something's gonna go wrong once, at least. Um, but, you know, we recently did our operator survey about technology specifically. And really the consensus out there is that restaurant operators are doing a lot with technology, but they all think that they could be doing more. And so they're out there trying to figure out what's next, what's going to help us, what's going to make our employees' lives easier, what's going to make our customers happier. And so these are the kinds of things they're trying, The uh, one of the top things that Operators are interested in right now is AI, uh, so we're going to see more experimentation with AI. I think we're going to see a lot of things work, but we're also going to see some things flop, and that's just the name of the game.
0: Did you guys see the uh, Duncan commercial during the Super Bowl
1: with Ben with Affleck? Ben Affleck, and- ben Affleck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> going, yes. going the exact opposite direction of AI in their drive-throughs. They're bringing in a like they brought in a celebrity to to fill in. I feel like that's an interesting. Counterpoint to this argument is that, like a place like Dunkin', is doing the exact opposite. They're leaning really into people and they're trying to I showcase mean, it.
2: They're not sending Ben Affleck out to every Duncan in America, <laughs> yeah, is, which, by the way, would get me to go to Dunkin'. <laughs> that is
1: not the strategy. Is employ celebrities to run our drive-throughs? That'll surely get people to go. Yeah, I mean, there. The, I think an important part of the conversation certainly is that hospitality still counts for something. And I, I a lot of the conversations I have with restaurant leaders these days. A lot of it comes back around to people are still very important, you know, and, and you know, Chick-fil-A is not going to automate their process because one of the big reasons Chick-fil-A works is the people. Right. And that's similar across a lot of restaurant companies. And that's why, again, coming back to AI's role in the restaurant is ultimately going to be efficiencies, creating efficiencies, back of house, kitchen. Um, and there are going to be a lot of ways you don't even see AI at work. I mean, when you think about, like, the predictive capabilities of AI in commodity markets, right? Like, it's that's where AI is really going to help uh, operators to save some money and save some time. It is not going to be the flashy stuff that jumps to mind when we think about AI.
0: Definitely. I mean, I'm just curious. After that Bingbot, I was just so curious. Bingbot, I like that name. Um, Bingbot. Bingbot. Um, I'm, I'm just curious to see what what the uses of this like really predictive AI are going to be in the restaurant space. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. What what is what is predictive AI going to have in store for restaurants? And I think we just don't know at this point. I think the possibilities are endless, but I also think the possibilities are limited. So it's just kind of like a shrug, shrug emoji.
1: I'd say it's a little bit more than a shrug emoji. I would give it. I would give it a ponder emoji. Is that what they call the one that's like this?
0: Course, now they do. People
1: listening can't see whatever that one's called. I would. I would give it that emoji.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's talk about Chipotle. Okay. Which I feel is also a ponder emoji.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, this headline certainly is.
0: <laughs> uh, so Chipotle has a new bowl concept. Because, um, as Leanne said earlier, quoting our colleague Brett, uh, do we need another bold concept? So, uh, what do you guys think about this? It's called Farmesia.
1: Is that how you pronounce that? Is
0: that what? That's that's how I would pronounce it.
1: I I would pronounce it Farmesa.
2: That's what I was thinking.
1: That's probably right. That's probably
0: right. No, that's probably right. Okay.
1: Farmesia. There's no H in it.
0: You don't need an
1: H or an I after the S. Yes. Is there?
0: No. Farmesa F- makes more sense. I just liked Farmesia. That's how F-A-R- I've been it.
1: F A R M E S A. Farmesa. Anyway, uh, okay, where to start here? <laughs> uh, See so Ponder details- emoji. It's Ponder emoji. Yeah. Um, or maybe I roll emoji when I get to the end of this. So um, you know, just the other details. They launched it in a Kitchen United in a facility out of Santa Monica. Um, super small scale, right? But also super low risk, potential high reward. I mean, to to operate something out of a ghost kitchen is um, very low investment. Um, and so maybe Chipotle is just kicking tires, just seeing what, you know, seeing how something like this would resonate. Um, not much indication for what they want to do with this thing in the future. Theoretically, this could be a virtual brand. They could do this in ghost kitchens and at a Chipotle, right? Like there there's legitimate reason to test something as they are because they have so much potential in their real estate, in their brand name, Chipotle. I mean, there's there's a lot they can do with this. My skepticism comes from the fact that they have done different concepts three times before. So there was Shop House Southeast Asian Kitchen. There was Pizzeria Locale, which was not something they started as much as it was a pizza brand out of Boulder, Colorado that they invested in. And then there was Tasty Burger out of Lancaster, Ohio, um, and I know that because that's not so far from me currently. That was very serious ponder emoji, eye roll emoji energy um, because it was just so okay. So anyway, let let me just let me just finish the thought by saying all of those three brands failed. (laughs) And so I'm just wondering why is Chipotle trying again? Um, Because I don't think they are necessarily good at operating multiple concepts because they've tried and it hasn't worked now. All three of those happened in the previous regime. This all happened when Steve Ells was leading the company. This was pre-Brian Nickel. This was, you know, now Chipotle has a new regime. They have a lot uh more momentum. Um, you know, arguably I'd say they they have a, a much smarter um and, and more concise business model that they're following. And so maybe they do see an opportunity to expand that. But I, I am just scratching my head and wondering like if you are making money hand over fist like you are with Chipotle, things are going very well. You want to get to six thousand locations from the, you know, three thousand ish in change that they have now. <laughs> Why distract and go with another concept? Why not just stick to what you're doing and you're doing well? I'll have more thoughts, I'm sure, but I'll let Leanne talk first.
2: I'm largely confused by the bowl concept specifically. Um, This kind of like veggie protein bowl feels very like 2016 to me, Um, and it's 2023. So I, I was like reading about the menu, and so you go, you get a bowl, you get a protein Green or a grain, two sides, a choice of five sauces, which is exactly what you get if you go to Dig, for example. Which I know because I go there all the time. And so on the one hand, I go to Dig all the time. So maybe there are going to be people who just go to Farmesa all the time. But on the other hand, I think for people like me, where that's like their ideal lunch, they already have a spot where they're going. And I think that if uh, Farmesa, for example, opened up in New York City. I personally might go there once to try it because this is what we do and I'm curious enough, but I think most people who are as committed to their lunch spot as I am to mine aren't going to try a new place just for the sake of trying it, even if it is, you know, even if it does have the Chipotle name and brand behind it. So I am largely like all the reasons Sam said I agree with, but I'm also very specifically um, just curious, I guess, why they chose a bold concept. And I know the reasons they gave, you know, it fits with their, you know, farm fresh ingredients, like all their, their values and everything. And I understand that, but it still just doesn't quite add up to me for me in 2023.
1: Yeah. And let's, let's play out a couple of, you know, sort of best case scenarios here. Well, Well, let's start with why you would roll out another brand. There's two things here. One is to leverage your scale, right? Like they say to themselves, we've got you know, properties all over the country, thousands of locations, we've got infrastructure supply chain, you know, so, so let's tap into that scale and theoretically you can exponentially grow through another concept um, by, you know, all of a sudden Farmesa, just, I mean, it has the infrastructure to be immediately a national brand uh, because of that scale. The second reason you might do it is if you are a franchise and you want to roll out additional franchise opportunities for your operators, right? You want your owner-operators to have potential for growth. If they've fulfilled their 10-location deal in uh, you know, Dallas and they want to grow more, then Chipotle offers them another brand to do that. Well, Chipotle doesn't franchise, <laughs> so obviously that's not a reason why they're doing it either. So again, going back to sort of the, the best-case scenario here, I think is that this becomes a virtual brand that they can run out, strategically run out of certain Chipotle locations where it makes sense, where they have the capacity. Um, And then, you know, if you, there are some virtual brands, you know, you can make a million dollars a year to, um, you know, potentially with a virtual brand out of a ghost kitchen in, in some really best case scenarios. So like they could really increase their revenue with something like this. It's just, the, all of the various hurdles for why it won't work. That's where I get really hung up. And so, you know, kind of going back around to the burger brand they did was that, uh, in this, you know, smaller town here in Ohio, Lancaster that, um, just like, like just location wise, it just didn't make sense, right? Like it, it was this burger chain in a town where mostly they just have all the fast food options and why are they going to pick your burger brand? I think the same is true for this to Leanne's point, which is like, okay, it's another bowl concept. Where are you going to go open a bowl concept where it's going to be people's choice for the bowl concept they go to? Um, And and so all of those things to me just seem interesting and sort of confusing. But, you know, hey, if if there's anybody who can figure it out, I'd say I would not bet against Brian Nickel and the team he's assembled at Chipotle. Um, You know, maybe they've got a plan. We're just, we just don't see it.
0: I just think about like, How is it going to be different from Chipotle? Like you can have bowls at Chipotle. Like you go down the line and you pick what you want in your bowl. Like how is the bowl going to be that much different than Chipotle or be able to operate out of a Chipotle with all of these possible secondary ingredients? How much different is it going to be? I mean, like I'm sure they're going to have avocado. What are they going to have? Guacamole in one spot and avocado in another spot. Like I just feel like it's too overlapping for it to actually be – a workable concept.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that's why the best virtual brand run out of a restaurant kitchen is one that leverages the existing ingredients. And so one example that jumps to mind is Doghouse out of LA, um, where they developed several virtual brands around the existing ingredients and menu items that they had, which makes sense because you're not adding layers of operational complexity. You're just you're just packaging things different essentially right and and putting it under a different brand um there could be some of that with chipotle but it seems to me based on the menu that i've seen there will be probably a lot of ingredients you know new ingredients that they would have to add uh potentially not necessarily new equipment or prep or anything like that but still again you have to have the capacity in the kitchen to be able to facilitate that so um, that's why I do wonder if this is a virtual brand. I mean, if it is a virtual brand, maybe they're going to strike a deal with Kitchen United and, you know, go all over Kitchen United facilities across the country. Um, it just, you know, we, it remains to be seen. Interesting to watch for sure.
0: Well, Chipotle's been experimenting with robots too. So it's not like they are shy to the trends that are happening. I mean, they're fully involved in that. they have chippy, like they're fully involved in the trends that are going on in the restaurant industry. They're not shying away from trying new things and so i think that they're willing to try i think brian Nichols is willing to just kind of try anything they're trying to grow chipotle they're trying to double the footprint which is absolutely insane but you know good on them uh i can't think of a place where we need more chipotles to be perfectly honest um there's like one every block in new york city
1: I Uh, this this might come as a surprise to holly but um the rest of the country does exist
2: I was just going to blow right past that. <laughs> I wasn't going to give her the joy of acknowledging that comment. Um, as I say, you know, historically, Chipotle is on the front end of a lot of trends. I mean, heck, you know, I complain about how ubiquitous bowls are, but Chipotle invented bowls as we know them today. I mean, they were one of the first right. concepts. They, you know, and so, I mean, I'm not trying to like dump on Chipotle. I just... This particular move confuses me, but I think the odds are just as good that six months from now, I'll be sitting here eating my words. You know, we'll be writing about how Firmace is going national and it's going to break into our top 500 or whatever. But like for right now, today, I'm a little confused, but I'm not, you know, I don't think any outcome will surprise me.
1: By the way, one last bit of information I'll throw in here that is interesting is that Nate Appleman developed the menu. Nate Appleman was like the head chef for Chipotle in the first regime. He was actually responsible for the Tasty Burger concept. Um, I don't remember if he was involved with Shop House at all. Um, but I just think that's interesting that I, I, I thought he had exited the business. If he had, he's back working on this. Uh, Maybe they stayed in touch. I don't know. Um, But it'll be curious to see. He's a James Beard nominated, at least if not winning chef. Um, So, so we'll be, yeah, TBD on to see what can come of that.
0: Wouldn't it have been great if I could be like, and he's our guest today. He's not, but that would have been a really great segue.
1: Would have been a good segue, (laughs) but.
2: Alas.
1: (laughs) Alas. If you're listening to this
0: podcast, we'd like you to come on and talk about. (laughs) Farmesa, which is not Farmesia.
1: Which sounds like amnesia. It's like when farmers get amnesia. (sighs) Farmesia.
0: Okay, well, it's time to talk about McDonald's, everyone's favorite brand. Great. (laughs) They introduced a new famous order this week. It's Cardi B and Offset. They introduced it on Valentine's Day. They are married. Um, so it was just like a fun way to bring back their famous orders which started with Travis Scott in 2020, um, and have been a huge marketing boon for McDonald's. I mean, they talk about it on like every earnings call, how these famous orders are doing great business for them. They've had BTS, they've had J Balvin. Um, so they are really, they had Saweetie. So they're really bringing back like these big stars. And so Cardi and Offset is a big move, I think for them. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, fun to see them doing this. It's funny. um, They did revive this program with Travis Scott in 2020, but they actually did their first one in 1992 with Michael Jordan, um, which you can be forgiven for not knowing on account of you weren't alive at the time. Uh, But like it was like a one off promotion in 92 with, you know, arguably the biggest celebrity of the early 90s. Um, So it was fun to see them bring it back in 2020. And they've done this was the fifth one that they've done since 2020. And it's obviously working for them. It's why they keep investing in it. Um, It's honestly clever marketing because these meals themselves Um, are just using things that they already have at every McDonald's. They're just packaging it differently and putting a celebrity's face on it and, you know, selling it to the fans, which does so great for them. I remember their, like, the Travis Scott one. They sold out of things almost immediately. Um, They did one with BTS uh, that was a huge hit, included a merchandise line that sold out really fast. Uh, But really, the Cardi B and Offset meal is just a cheeseburger a quarter pounder with cheese, fries, apple pie, a Coca-Cola, a high sea orange, lava burst, whatever that is, and barbecue sauce, which are all things that every McDonald's has on hand all the time. But, you know, you tell somebody it's a this celebrity's famous meal, or this celebrity tells people that it's their famous meal because this launched, I think, with a Super Bowl commercial. Um, and suddenly everyone is running off to McDonald's to get this. And so I mean, I think as far as marketing goes, it's very clever and it's obviously working for them because they've done it now five times in the last two and a half years
0: we ran off yeah. to mcdonald's to get it it's on our tiktok you can see it on our tiktok nrn that's, right.
2: that's a good point you we did.
1: unpack it with the team at nrn you can do that um yeah i mean look i think this is kind of genius um because to leanne's point there's no extra menu development here there's nothing you don't do anything extra outside of package the things together um and listen we live in a day and age of of the cult of personality right personality sells influencers sell and um you know anymore with TikTok, instagram social media whatever individual people celebrities can build very powerful brands that drive consumers to do crazy things. And we've talked about Mr. Beast on this podcast before. And just like that dude, the the influence he has over millions of people's lives and in, in terms of how, how they will go try a burger, a Mr. Beast burger, because he told them to, um, immediately creates a successful brand. Same thing here, um, where you have celebrities who have presumably millions and millions of followers on all the various accounts. And they just just go and say, "Hey, go order this thing at McDonald's." Their legions of followers will do that, and so it's super smart, makes a ton of sense. And you know, uh, to tie this really quickly into like uh, college athletes and um, name, image, and likeness—that you know how a couple of years ago that changed and and you know that that revolutionized things for college athletes. But just speaking now to some of the smaller businesses out there. That personality, that influencer in your local communities could be a college athlete. It could be like, it doesn't have to be Cardi B, right? Like, McDonald's has access to Cardi B, but there are personalities all over the country in various, you know, uh, walks of life, various, um, you know, uh, professions and whatever that have followers who will listen to what they say like what's the version of that that's going to work for your brand it can be a small-scale person that still has a big effect on sales
0: yeah I mean I'm thinking a lot about programs that have been brought of around college athletes I mean there have been a bunch of them that have happened recently there was the like um there were campaigns that had to do with names so like if somebody had a certain name they were allowed to be in this like legion of college athletes that were assigned to certain brands it's the name is escaping me right now which brand did this but one of them was like all jacks or all like i'm I think pretty it was, sure it was jack
2: yeah i think, I think it, it was jack, was jack, jack box, box
0: that did all like jacks jackie jacqueline like all of those kind of athletes were involved in this campaign um and so i thought that was really like people are doing it people have definitely stepped up to the plate and are saying, let's use these college athletes. Let's give them some sort of cachet. Let's give them some money. Let's do all this stuff with them. I um, mean, I think it's been working. I mean, I haven't. People are doing it year after year. Outback released one, a campaign with college athletes as well. So, I mean, like, it's work. I think it's working. Seems to be. Why wouldn't it?
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. You shouldn't just pick anybody to be your personality driving your business make sure they align with your values <laughs> don't go get some troll
2: if you can get ben affleck to come you know run your drive through or you can get cardi b to tell everyone what her favorite mcdonald's meal is then like i mean why? why wouldn't you
0: i mean all of those ben affleck duncan memes are just so funny i like when he was sad carrying all of his duncan that just like was incredible and so like to use him for the campaign was just chef's kiss
1: well and it was also i mean ben affleck and boston and duncan in boston i mean these are very you know bold lines drawn across those three things right everybody knows ben affleck's from boston everybody knows duncan is of boston and so to put ben affleck and duncan together in the Bostonness of it and of course he was really hype, you know he's really ratcheting up his boston accent in the commercial it was really smart you know and again somebody here who's mega famous has a ton of followers I think that played very well for them. Although I would say that J Lo is probably the most famous person that was in that commercial, and probably the most influential person in that commercial. <laughs> Sorry, Ben Affleck.
0: He knew what he did. Uh, well, narrator. He
2: <laughs>
0: oh yeah. All right, well, guys, it's been lovely. Thank you once again. We did it.
1: We did it. Go team. every
2: week. Every, every week, week. We pull it off.
0: <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to throw it over to Ray Keys of Crystal. Um, But I'm going to thank you guys for joining me today, and I will see you next week.
1: Thanks, Holly.
2: See ya. Belgioso
0: Cheese is a family-owned and operated company specializing in artisan Italian cheesemaking. Using only natural ingredients and fresh, local Wisconsin milk, Master Cheesemakers handcraft a full line of exceptional cheeses guided by a commitment to quality and a respect for tradition, Ask your distributor about BelGioioso's award-winning fresh mozzarella, burrata, ricotta, mascarpone, American grana, and parmesan. At Belgioso, every cheese is a specialty.
3: Uh, how you doing, Ray Keys? I don't think we've ever met, so I'm glad to meet
4: you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, doing well. It's... Uh, you know ready for spring to roll around but you know it's uh you know it's been a great winter though and you're based
3: in atlanta right
4: yep we're based in atlanta well just north of atlanta and dunwoody yeah so we've been here for gosh probably about six years or so by way of chattanooga we were um we originated uh Or the brand was built there, and uh, yeah, we migrated south.
3: You know, I think it might have been in Chattanooga where I first had Crystal. I uh, was at a wedding, and after the bachelor party, you know, you go out, etc., and then end up at three in the morning at Crystal, and you (laughs)
4: have. Yeah, there's we're we're definitely a a great place to visit for such occasions. Um, But yeah, we get a lot of stories like that.
3: Yes, I, that's why I brought it up because it seems like a, a uh, an iconic, uh, Crystal experience. And yeah. I, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile. And it looks like you've been at Crystal a couple of times. That you got mm-hmm. there in 2016, and then you wandered around. You were at Mondale's, Backyard Burgers, Tropical Smoothie Cafe, mm-hmm. and then you ended up back at Crystal. So tell me, tell what's your background? How how did you get involved in uh, the awesome world of chain restaurants and manufacturing.
4: Yeah, so I grew up obviously, um, grew up in Mississippi and eating at a lot of a lot of the chain restaurants, but local as well. Um, I think I had figured out kind of early on in my career um, that I wanted to to be a corporate chef and get on the R and D side of things and uh be able to, you know, impact a dining experience at a larger scale than just an independent restaurant. So, um, you know, I just uh, eventually I, I wound up at CIA, uh, Culinary Institute of America in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there I've you know, worked in restaurants, eventually over into, uh, R&D on the manufacturing side of things, and then on to ingredient supplier side, and um, funny enough, how I met the folks over at Crystal was, I was actually um, giving a, pr- a presentation um, with the lovely folks with with Oreo and Mondelez, and you know what, we just developed the bond, and um, you know, I decided to, uh, decided to come on board um, with Crystal, and you know, some things happen under different ownerships and stuff, but we've we've got, um, we're under new ownership now, and I'm back. It's sort of a homecoming. Um, extremely happy to be back. Um, but yeah, we've got some fun things that we're working on. Um, yeah, it's, it's great.
3: And how did you decide to get interested in cooking in the first place?
4: Yeah, so that was probably I developed my love for cooking with probably my grandmother so there were certain things that um, that we couldn't get unless we unless we put the effort into harvest harvesting the ingredients so to speak so uh, the pecan pies you know uh, going out and gathering the pecans from the ground and my grandmother would cook with us and show us how to make pies or um, so that's one example. And then we had a small vegetable farm as well that I grew up on. So um, we went to school a lot of days with um, you know, purple dyed fingers and thumbs from shelling peas. So I think that's probably where I developed the love of food. Um, and then as far as like cooking as a profession you know, it was, it was, you know, working in restaurants is one of the few jobs that you could get at the time that, you know, being at a young age that, you know, you could be introduced into restaurants. Um, I had started local uh, bussing tables at a catfish house. So there in Mississippi and uh, on Thursday night was chitlin night. That was a great night. You get them boiled or fried. So <laughs>
3: So you can clean the hell out of an intestine.
4: Oh, my gosh, man. We, oh, man, we, lots and lots of big intestines. Yeah, so chitlins were served. So Nice. Yeah. So
3: where in Mississippi are you from?
4: South Central between Jackson and Hattiesburg. So yeah. quite rural. Yeah, yeah, rural part. Yeah, exactly. Just-
3: and and as you said, so you learned about where food comes from because you had to actually go out and get it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. It. yeah, and then, you know, of course, like a lot of folks um, that grew up in such areas, you know, you developed the love for for me, it was it was fishing as well. So um, tell a lot of, you know, it's freshwater fish fishing rivers and the local lakes and stuff in the area. And um you know, you clean and and eat what you catch, um, but yeah, that was that was probably something else that that turned me on to the uh, you know into the cooking profession as well. So there's a big difference, you know, whenever you're cleaning and eating something within you know an hour of catching it versus you know starting out from the frozer, the the freezer section of the at the grocery. So, sure
3: so you have a legitimate farm-to-table background yeah you
4: know, yeah from from it's childhood oh my gosh man yeah so much of my summers were spent um in the garden with my with my grandparents and uh, we have the um there's a local like uh county extension office uh agricultural office that we would go to and another fond memory is 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 them testing different varietals of uh muscadines so that was up yes exactly great size of plums yeah
3: (laughs) yes
4: Yeah. yeah so um that was always fun as well so it, it seems like food for almost every like special like event or occasion, it's, it's it's definitely, you know, food is like the center of it, you know. And food it's also kind of guided my whole life. Really, my life has been kind of molded around the experiences that I've had and my family and friends have had around food, so... And
3: so it looks like you got into the corporate world pretty quickly. Uh, was was that, did you have that in mind when you went to the CIA or were you planning on being the next Thomas Keller or whomever?
4: Yeah. Or probably
3: yeah. more of a background similar to yours than Keller did, but.
4: Yeah. So yeah. I did actually. So um, for a while, like I said, doing independent restaurants, I worked at you know, steakhouses, um, where we get your subprimals in and I've worked at butcher shops and things of that nature. Funny story. I want to, I want to come back to the steakhouse. Cause I got, it's a very unique experience there, but, um, I, I, you know, it's like anything else, you know, you, you eventually you tip your toe, you know, test the waters with the corporate atmosphere. So I did a stint for a couple of years at Applebee's for, um, as a manager with those folks. And it was there to where I said, Hey, look, there's some opportunity here. I don't think I had ever thought of, of, of being in the culinary world on, a like, a, on the franchise or corporate side of things until my experience there. And, uh, I have a twin brother. We had one interesting conversation one day and uh, a few conversations, but it started out as, hey, look, man, you want to go to either New York or do you want to go to Providence, Rhode Island um, for culinary school? Because, you know, there's there's more to this thing than just working, you know, independent restaurant side. Let's let's see what the what the world has to offer. So we did. We, um, you know, we we packed our things and, and headed north. So. Um, and you know, with the full intent of the background, the independent, and and some of the corporate side of things, running uh, restaurants for larger brands, um, you know, I, I I thought my career was shaping up pretty well to to jump on the R and D side, the corporate chef side of things. So,
3: so yeah. what was it that appealed to you about that? You mentioned that it that you get to feed a lot more people than you do in. Um, independent restaurant and the hours are better i would assume
4: yeah oh oh my gosh man the hours are so much better the holidays the vacations oh my gosh it's a it's a dream come true man Um,
3: five o'clock you probably can go home oh my
4: gosh so whenever i got out of restaurants um and 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 went into manufacturing with this place in out of the bronx new york I would leave on Friday nights, or Friday four or five o'clock and I would seriously get like anxiety, like the shakes, like I'm supposed to be on the line. I'm supposed to be in the kitchen right now. Like, you know, it's just embedded with me. So, you know, the, the first Saturday that I had off and I just didn't know what to do with myself. I'm like, this is so much free time, you know? So, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely different, so I, I appreciate it, yeah.
3: So are you one of those chefs who has kind of maybe a little bit of an adrenaline addiction that you like to, to have a lot of things going on all at once? Or, or
4: um... oh, I love it. So <laughs> speaking with colleagues and friends in the industry that, you know, the, the corporate chefs are, are the same as well. They, they've, they've come from restaurants, and that's one of the things that will always stay with you will always um there's there's no replication of it you know it's it's just that rush of feeling you know being in the fire you know and and serving the best product that you possibly can on a day in and day out basis as quickly as you can you know and just so well organized and orchestrated um basically every part you know so um yeah there's there's nothing else like it so it's uh, strangely enough sometimes I have to ask myself so you know with some of the other projects that I work on now it's like am I am I causing a little bit of this chaos because I miss it so much because I miss that fire the answer sometimes is probably yes you know (laughs) so so
3: so how do you do that do you like Take on more projects than might be reasonable, or you you procrastinate and wait till the last minute. Oh, that's a something. little
4: bit of both, it depends. Uh-huh. But just to just to feel that 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 rush of accomplishment and to know that you're still able to operate at a high level in such a crunch time, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and,
3: and your twin brother is is he also uh, did you go yeah. to culinary school together? Both at the CIA.
4: Yeah, we did. So and so, I went more of the uh, macro route with um, with the corporate side of things. He went more micro. So he owns a restaurant outside of Charleston on Johns Island, oh, nice. and they've been open for well, 10, 11 years now. He's got a, a bar that he had recently opened up as well. So he's still in in restaurants and 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 loving it. Um, so yeah you can
3: you can do both. Yeah you can make you can make those decisions and you can do corporate or you can do restaurants or right. be a personal chef so many choices when when you are a chef. but I want I want you to go back to that steakhouse because it sounds like you had a good story from there.
4: Yeah, I do man. And so so this is this is again really a, a really cool thing to see. So the owner uh, is first time restaurant um, restaurant guy. Um, he worked for the uh, this thing was like a, a Pro Bull Riding PBR Pro Bull Riding Association or or I don't know. Um, anyway, so he had a big uh, cattle farm. He wanted to open up a, 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 a steakhouse, so we did. And in the back, it was in a separate building, like a foot away. He had rodeos, so there was uh thursday and uh thursdays was for practice nights and then friday and saturday was the actual rodeo and it was it was bull riding and, and it was what nice- was this was this in mississippi in mississippi it's called okay. crazy eight it was called crazy eight steakhouse
3: mm, sounds good so
4: um we would finish our work super early and then run out back and see some guys you know uh Play around, so to speak, uh, speak, with the air quotes. Play around with these massive, massive animals. Um, so it was, it was a pretty interesting experience, you know. So the one, the one request from the owner, as far as uniforms go, was, was that we had to wear, uh, roper boots. So that was a pretty <laughs> interesting thing, but Can yeah, you... it, was, it was really fun.
3: Can you? cook in the kitchen for 14 hours wearing boots
4: oh my gosh man our feet were killing us i tell you what you learn really quick and it was concrete floors mm. so you learn really quick about uh what are the best um soul, uh inserts you know so <laughs> that's fun mm. and,
3: and it was a sort of a straightforward steakhouse like you you pick your meat and then you have sides like scalloped potatoes and
4: yeah exactly and then we would cut them to order so yeah it was it was great so
3: and talk about fresh yes was was it on the site of the of the ranch or of the no it
4: was yeah it was down the road um yeah same town but yeah it was where you know a little bit more traffic could could come to the place so
3: it makes sense. Yeah. People don't usually drive up to ranches <laughs> or, or beef processing facilities. Right. Yeah, this can be kind of a a challenge for the uninitiated. Yeah. Smells alone are enough to. You know. <laughs> I've been to some in there like it's good to know where your food comes from, but it doesn't mean you yeah. know every day.
4: Dude.
3: So what are you working on at Crystal now?
4: Yeah, so um, we actually, so we recently sort of re we reintroduced our uh, little chicken sandwich, Uh and uh, it's going really well for us. Um, We're thinking we'll probably expand that out, so I'm looking at flavor expansions there. and then, you know, your, your, your burger situations, um, we're, we're looking at everything from, um, from the bun to, you know, to the sauce, to the seasoning, to the, to the, to the meat blend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be chicken, uh, chicken sandwiches and, and burgers. So...
3: Well, and you guys have had both of those for a long time. You got the Crystal Chick is the iconic one, and then you obviously have the
4: Crystal. Yeah. So, so, um, and it's taken on a few different. The uh, Crystal Chick has taken has had a, I guess, a, a few different um, styles, if you will, or formats, um, formulas uh, for it. But right now, the one we we recently launched is a whole muscle product um it's got uh it's got a five-step breading process that we've got a great manufacturer that helps us out with that and uh, it's just got a crispy crunchy uh coating um yeah and it's it's great it's 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 delicious um
3: and it's almost all breast meat right
4: yes exactly so and the um the burgers the crystal burgers i mean they will you know is much like your story earlier, I mean they, they they serve a need and will always protect the namesake product of uh, you know in those crystal burgers but we're also looking at you know how do we you know how do we reinvent so to speak or kind of reengage uh with consumers by way of 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 sliders and and and, and burgers of Different shapes, sizes, and formats. You know, so um, you know we've we've you know we've been looking at you know different blends from uh, from brisket and blank um, to, to even to grass fed. We've you know all in the test kitchen here. Um, even looking at uh, you know fresh beef program and seeing what's actually possible in the in the restaurants. What can we execute? You know, so. So that's part of it. It's just like everyone else, right? Like, like you start out with um you start out with the best possible gold standard, if you will, product and and then by way of, of testing in various degrees that 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 we all know of, um, you get you hopefully get to the best tasting quality, consistent product day in and day out for for uh, for the fans of of your brand,
3: so, yeah, and and that could be executed at all of your restaurants.
4: Ex- exactly, and and that's part of it, right? So, um, you know, so so so, would you rather have something that is more consistent? And let's go on a scale of like one to ten, ten being the best. Would you rather have something that is consistently a a a, a nine versus? You know, an extremely inconsistent ten. You know, maybe if you're independent and you can touch every plate that's that's going out, we we, you know, we can't touch every single plate. You know, so um, we train our workers and we we uh, we have a pretty good training program, and you know, we we hire the 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 best that we can, and you know, but eventually, you know. You just can't touch every plate, you know. Right. So, and how many crystal locations are there now? Uh, we've got two eighty-eight, I believe. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. I can like
3: look it up. Um, but so how you you crystal is a is an iconic brand with a cult following. People love it, and so how far beyond the traditional classic crystal food do your customers allow you to go? Yeah. It's like the craziest thing you've come up with that
4: worked? Oh my oh my gosh, man. So, um, and, and that's the thing. So we throw, we do the kind of concept screeners um, out. We start out with probably, golly, your typical innovation pipeline or funnel uh, mm-hmm. for concepts. and. We'll throw, let's call it, a hundred, a um, hundred items into the top of this funnel, and through the first step, which is typically like a online screener, um, you know, we decide what to continue shoving through the funnel, and um, but for the most part, more of your 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 mainstream basic flavor profiles is what's going to do well. Hey, look, you know. We test everything from, you know, um, let's just throw it aside. It's not crazy for you and I, but for some truffle mayo might be kind of weird on a, on a chicken sandwich, but you know, where our locations are at, um, you know, they may, they may not know uh, they may not know what, what truffle is that, that they won't get it. So um, yeah, we've got to be somewhat kind of pulled in on the, on the flavor profiles and concepts it's got to be more approachable but that's okay because we can still work on the quality of the product right so um there's different tiers of that so that's more of where we're heading um, is basically keeping the food approachable aligned with the trends and we're just increasing the quality of our, of our product. You know, it doesn't have to be something super fancy, uh, are really different. It doesn't have to be completely new to the, uh, to the consumer, the industry. We just need to do it well, you know? So
3: what are some improvements in, in your core products that you've managed to get through? You mentioned the, the, uh, crystal chip, which has, I guess a five-step breading process—that's a lot of breading. To, I mean, that's, yeah. three is more typical, isn't it?
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. So the so the chick is chick is one. Um, we were also looking at. We've got a, a few different tests, and now we're looking at, um, you know, our shake program. Um, looking at the butterfat percentages of that, we're constantly looking at uh, French fries. We're looking at how we treat the French fries. Um, we're also looking at um, looking at the way we season our crystal burger, and and um, you know so again, how do we just you know increase the flavor profile of that burger without really changing its core nature or what it is? So um
3: so it tastes like itself but more like itself yeah
4: ex- exactly just a little more flavorful a little more intense so yeah
3: you mean that that can be a challenge right like your customers are accustomed to something tasting a specific way feeling a specific way and so even if you improve it technically that doesn't mean that they like it better they
4: like it exactly more. you got to kind of be you know and and we've noticed that and that's that's a really good question is um our comment um because eventually you'll you'll win more like the the the, the ceiling on a better quality product um is much higher where we're, yeah everyone has to you know self-reflect and look at their product and try and enhance and make it better and we're doing that as well, but it's it's all positive so it's still that flavor profile folks know um, and expect from crystal um, you know so you
3: mentioned your shakes what what have been some uh successful shakes you guys rolled out
4: yeah, so um golly the the last seasonal shake we rolled out with was uh, was a cookie butter shake. It did really well for us. Um, yeah, well, so, kinda,
3: I mean, that's not crazy, but it's kind of, it's out there a little bit.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're cookie thinking, butter. you know, and, and, and that's one of those areas or one of the spots on the menu that we can play a little bit more with. We're finding that customers or consumers are – a little more willing to try uh, a little more far-reaching flavor profiles um, if it's a beverage or a dessert versus like the center of a plate item. So we, we can be a little bit more creative on, on it, you know, in those menu segments.
3: Yeah, it seems like people are willing to try all sorts of things when it, if they're going to drink it yeah especially exactly. the kids who are drinking those energy drinks that taste like sweet and battery acid to me I like it
4: and i don't think i'll be having any of those um yeah but but you know think about it. i mean golly you go into the any any convenience store and you look at the drink section you look at all the different flavors and, and and styles of drinks man i mean it's it's there's a lot of innovation on that side of the business, so
3: there is, and it's highly profitable. So that's cool.
4: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, I mean there are new, new lower sugar sodas and different flavors, or mm-hmm. fake flavors like dragon fruit. Dragon fruit doesn't taste like anything, so I don't know why it's one of the <laughs> flavors, but. but and people are drinking it up.
4: They love mm-hmm. it. Yep, yep. Now it's uh, it's all the. All right, I guess it's been a trend for a few years now is the sparkling waters and seltzers.
3: All of those, including the spiked ones, those hard seltzers. (laughs) I instead just have bourbon and soda. And, you know, basically the same except, you know, the same idea, but it tastes better to me. So (laughs) that's what I have.
4: Yes, I, I think I'd have one of those too.
3: Yeah, So and, you know. But I'm Gen X. I'm not Gen Z, so we all have different palettes. And so, in, in terms of beef, you talked about playing with grass fed and maybe fresh product. Is that is that something that you think could have legs, or you're still working on it? Or
4: yeah, it's a, so so um, it's definite. It definitely has legs. It's just gonna take a golly a, a lot of. Uh, research and testing and how we handle the product so um the 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 end user the consumer will can definitely tell a difference and they love it just the smell of, of, of the grass-fed beef cooking on our flat tops is uh, gosh man like I want a burger now just thinking about it but um yeah it's it's again going back to that training piece and and making sure we have the right equipment, and if we're going to um, go down that path, it's want to make sure we treat the ingredients the best way we possibly can, and make sure that it's consistent. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's 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 going to be quite the operational uh, test. So,
3: I would think so, and and it's it's leaner, so that means it's less forgiving. Mm -hmm. But i mean i I would think that your your uh your meat now comes in frozen and pre-formatted right and they just yeah
4: yeah yeah that's the most consistent way of 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 getting uh of getting those executed the same every time you know um you know we sell so many you know you got your your steamer packs or your you know, your, your 12 or 24 packs of, of crystals and, you know, and, and that's another thing too, we got to think about, right? Like, um, talking about the consistency and, and steps and processes, um, we're a little different than, than folks is where their number one combo or number two or however way you want to call it is, is one sandwich typically. I mean, we've got four that, the, that the staff is having to build in the back and, make sure all of them go out hot and fresh. So it's uh, there's a little bit more labor involved as well. So sometimes we can't put, um, it wouldn't be in our best interest to roll out with some LTOs that had you know three, four, five toppings on, on these burgers, because golly, talk about speed of service.
3: Right. Well, and, and I imagine your customers are quite price sensitive. Yeah. And you know, and they want what they want, or they want 20 of what they want right for a road yeah. trip or mm. you know, maybe a long drive home, whatever. Right. <laughs> so when you meet people out in the world and you say you are the chef of Crystal, do people say what do you mean? What does Crystal have a chef?
4: What the hell? Yeah, I yeah, know man, that's that's pretty often. Um, they're like oh my gosh I didn't realize Crystal had a chef I'm like right yeah um yeah it's it's always a a fascinating uh conversation or eye-opening to to folks that don't realize that a lot of the restaurant chains and brand food service uh, folks out there have corporate chefs that um that are there to help come up and innovate with the menu and and find the best possible product, and and cook it in a way that um, that then gets handed out to to all of their all their establishments. But yeah, it's um, it typically goes in something as, oh my gosh, I didn't realize Crystal Crystal had a chef. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we do. And hello, nice to meet you. Right. Oh, man how, how did you get in much like our conversation is going now how did you get into food and how did you wind up you know working working for crystal um you know and 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 it's much like i was when i was younger right i i didn't i didn't really realize that crystal had a had a chef or you know the, these other brands had a had a corporate chef it wasn't until i got older and um thought a little bit more about the industry and what happens in, in, on the back side of things of, of of how these menu items are are created and um, how they're handed out to the restaurants so yeah it's it's typically a, a fun deal and then the next is what's what's the craziest uh craziest thing that you know that you've that you've rolled out with or are tested and Um, you know, so it's, it's good.
3: Well, then I'm not going to ask that question.
4: Yeah. And, you know, it's I think, I think probably the more interesting, uh, thing that, that we've tested and I've learned that people are, are really particular about is golly sloppy Joe. Who would have thought that sloppy Joe's would have been, you know you know people's affinity for a certain flavor profile sloppy joe would be so i don't know so 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 stern you know so that it's was of a
3: barbecue everybody does it differently in their backyard everybody's mom or dad did the same sloppy <laughs> joe or did a specific sloppy joe and if it doesn't taste like mom's sloppy joe or yeah
4: person, so it's so divisive like you would think something like that um that's that's one that's one item and then another one is going to be like a, a brownie you know people also like you know is it cakey or fudgy or is it iced or not iced does it have pieces of chocolate in it or, or, or not oh my gosh or both not of those
3: people would go to war over whether or not it should be in a brownie or not
4: yeah so both of those items we've golly we have put through focus groups a couple of times trying to find the right the right answer to that. And um, you know, so maybe one maybe one day we get there. But um yeah. So
3: well when you do, let me know. Okay. And and when you roll out uh grass fed sliders, that would be incredible. Or yes. even the fresh meat program. That that would be exciting, I think mm-hmm. for, for me and our entire audience, especially yes. those in the Southeast who can go to Crystal and try it
4: yeah absolutely and you know and those are some of the things that we're looking at as well Is um you know how do we get back to um let's say get back to but you know how do we are there ways um, that we can incorporate process and ingredients um that that were with us in the beginning how do we reincorporate those back into the business now so um, you know, um, one of the things I'm looking at now is, um, I mean, what about what about proofing and and baking buns? That's that's huge. Wow. Talk about a massive, massive. And I hope I don't get some backlash for this, but and who knows? I'm putting it out there, Brett. I want to talk about you know a nice kind of sweet. Sourdough slash yeast roll for a slider that is proofed and baked in house sounds delicious to me. What? Anyway,
3: and maybe it could happen.
4: Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah two, we'll
3: see. But yeah, we'll see. Well, Ray Keys, it was so nice to meet you. Uh, we're about out of time, but I hope we can do it again. And uh, maybe I'll find my way to Atlanta. We can hang out.
4: Absolutely. Let me know when you come down, man. It was great talking to you.